Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. I want to address a situation in the Christians' lives today that many Christians love Jesus but they are still bound by a specific spirit. And this spirit is the spirit of poverty. So you are a Christian, you love Jesus, you might even regularly bring your offering and your tithe, but you are still bound in poverty, but by a spirit of poverty. Now, spirit of poverty has nothing to do with how much you earn. I've often shared the testimony when I was a young pastor in Port Elizabeth, I had one of my neighbors. So we lived under more or less the same level of housing and cars. Our children went to the same school. And he came to pray for asked me to pray for him because he's in such desperate trouble and he needs God to increase his income. But he shared with me what his income was. And it was more than five times more than my income. And he was still stuck in poverty. And I realized that day that the spirit of poverty has nothing to do with how much you earn. There's many rich people that are bound by the spirit of poverty. And Satan rules and reigns in their finances more than many people that are living a lower lifestyle. And today we're going to address the spirit of poverty. Jared spoke about the blessing of Abraham. That is a promise that God gave to all of us who are sons of Abraham. Okay, did you ever sing in Sunday school, Father Abraham? Okay, if you sang that song, you're a son of Abraham. We have grown up knowing that the promises that God made to Abraham is also ours. It belongs to us. But... That blessing isn't evident in our lives. And the reason why that blessing is not there is because of a curse that operates. Okay? Do you like the word curse in church? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We need to speak about the curse so that we can speak about deliverance. If you don't understand the curse you're under, you're not going to understand how to get free. All right. Um, Proverbs 6 and verse 11 says this, So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. Do you see there that you own it? It's yours. But in other words, that is a curse spoken out, That and there we can go into what must we do to not be there in Proverbs, but the process is that is a curse that comes on us, and we start owning it as our own. If you call it your poverty, then you're always going to operate it. Yvette shared with us how what she said has such an effect on how she lived. If you're speaking and you're taking it as your own, it becomes a stronghold in your finances. And it doesn't matter how much you earn, Satan still destroys it all the time. So we have to become into a place where we don't own poverty anymore, where it's not ours anymore. Okay. If you even go to Jesus, do you know that Jesus was taken down from the cross by a man called Joseph of Arimathea? And Joseph of Arimathea went to the governor and said, can I take the body down and go put it in my cave that was set up as a grave for me? So he gave up his grave that he had bought and paid for where he was planning to die, and he gave it to Jesus. Because the custom at that stage was to leave the bodies on the cross for 10 days odd until they were so rotten that there was nothing left to take down, really. There were just bones. Everything else had been eaten by the birds and so on. So Jesus' body was taken down and put into a grave from where we then received our salvation when Jesus rose from the grave. But it took 
a man of authority and a man of influence and a man of financial means to process that thing. And we all celebrate our salvation and we've got to understand that we have to become men and women of influence and men and women with financial ability to be able to bring salvation into this world, to be able to do the impossible things. God has done impossible things for our church through people of influence and people of resources. 3 uh, John 1 says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So how much does our soul prosper? We're going to heaven. We are saved. It is sorted out 100%. It's not 50% sorted out or 90%. We might make it to heaven. It is 100%. But in our financial realm, we're not at 100%. Keep the scripture up for me, please. So God says that you may prosper in all things and be in health as much as what you are going to heaven, if we have to bring that scripture into today's world. But we are not there. That means that this area is a battle of the soul. It's a battle of our mind. It's a battle of our will. And we need to ask God to bring us to that place. Do you know that poverty will make you deny your faith? Poverty will make you bend on your principles. You say, I'll never steal. But what if you really, really are hungry and your children doesn't have food? Poverty will start controlling you. Yeah, well, I'll never get that hungry. Well, you've got to know that Satan is out there to get you to a place to give up on your principles so that he can control you. And he doesn't necessarily jump from where you've never stolen to where you're stealing. But he starts pushing and pushing and pushing in little ways to get you to deny what Jesus has done for you. And that is why we have to fight the spirit of poverty. Money makes people sell their soul. And it's the trap of poverty and debt. And if Africa can get rid of the spirit of um, poverty... Africa will be changed nation. It is the continent with the most resources, but the least prosperity. And it's because there's a spirit of poverty that rules and reigns right through us and is trying to keep us in that place. It's not a racial thing. It is an area thing that is trying to control the world. And very, very few people come free of it. Okay, so we have to believe that young people are going to be free from this curse so that they can change the generations to come. Young people, God wants to anoint you to a level where you see things different to what your parents had it. God wants to make you property owners. God wants to bring wealth into your situation. Not only so that you can have a better life, but so that you can break the spirit of poverty that has been repeated again and again, generation after generation. Galatians 3 says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So I read just now in Proverbs how the curse comes in, but the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham, and me and Jared didn't co-work together. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Jesus paid the price so that you can move out of the curse. Now you've got to ask yourself, are you free? Are you walking in what Jesus had? You see, the curse came in through, Abraham, through Adam in Genesis 3 and verse 17. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through the painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Through the curse, three things came in. Sin came in, disobedience, 
came in, sickness came in, and poverty came in. Thank you, Adam and Eve. You really messed us up. Okay? But Jesus came and paid a price to set us completely free. And we need to find out how do we address this freedom in the financial realm. Who wants to be free in the financial realm? Let me just, do you want to hear this or is this, you, you all know the answer to this and you don't want to hear it? Okay, you want to hear it. So if something is cursed, it means this, you are supernaturally empowered to fail. That is the meaning of a curse. What is the meaning of a blessing? You are supernaturally empowered to prosper. Okay? So which one do you want in your life? Are you sure? I mean, really? (laughs) So either, and you can value your own life. You can evaluate your own situation. Are you supernaturally empowered At this moment, if you look at the past couple of years, supernaturally empowered to fail or supernaturally empowered to succeed? And I'm preaching to myself. Jesus has already died to move you from a supernaturally empowered to fail to supernaturally empowered to succeed. You know that Jesus said, I came firstly to bring good news to the poor. That's the first thing he said. Now, what does that mean? It means I want to move you from supernaturally empowered to fail to supernaturally empowered to bless. That is what the central message of Jesus is. Is that good news? Okay. So the power of God is demonstrated in this move of us from one to the other. We need the Holy Spirit to move us in that place. A curse makes everything we do a failure, and a blessing makes everything we do a success. And we sing about the blessing, but we're living in the curse. Isn't that true? Why is it getting so quiet? Maybe I'm not preaching the truth here. The Christians today as a whole are living in that place that nothing is ever enough. We're always short. So how do we know and recognize the spirit of poverty? So the first one is there's nothing is ever enough. doesn't matter how much you earn. If you earn a lot a month or if you earn a little a month, you are still short. That's your first recognition. Secondly, everything is a battle. You're trying to swim through honey or syrup or mud, you're just not making progress. One step forward, two steps back. You're stressed about finances. I'm not saying everybody that's here is under that place. So you have to evaluate for yourself if you're there. There's no progress. There's no change. You'll recognize it's a spirit of poverty. You're facing the same challenge again and again and again. Spirit of poverty. Then this one really hit me hard. I'm just one month away from my breakthrough. I'm just one week away. I'm just one deal away from my breakthrough. Next month, things are going to be better. It's just this month at school clothes or birthday presents or something why this month is a problem but next month is going to be better if you're always looking to next month that's what a spirit of poverty does it never allows you to deal with him this month by always moving your focus one step ahead so you never deal with him in this realm almost nearly so close but you just can't step into it You feel the blessing. You can nearly touch it, and it gets ripped away. You are defenseless against stuff that comes against you. Just when you're ready to break through, your car breaks, and it costs you money. Or accidents, or sickness, or something that steals from you. Okay? You are defenseless against some of the things that come against you. 
that is a spirit of poverty. Nothing works like you plan it. Does anybody recognize some of these things? You are supernaturally empowered to fail. It is the spirit of poverty. And we need to break it in generations to come. I've said to mom, I want to make this part of our VIP when we do the freedom from many different spirits. We're going to make freedom from the spirit of poverty part of it. So this is not a sermon. This is a teaching to teach you how to be free. So hopefully some of us recognize the spirit of poverty in our life. I'm recognizing the spirit of poverty in my life if I look at this. And I'm saying, you can't stay here rent-free anymore. Amen. You can't stay here. Jesus has paid for me to be free of it. Why am I sitting in this situation? So we have to cast that spirit out. Amen. Just like you cast out any other spirit. You see, the spirit of poverty works exactly like the spirit of lust. How does the spirit of lust work? You start looking at somebody... Or something in the spirit of poverty. Oh, I like that. Now you start thinking about that all the time. And mm, I keep on coming back to that. And instead of focusing on God and his provision, Satan starts saying to you, oh, yeah, you can have a loan for this. Uh, he has free credit. He has an unlimited credit card. Do you know that study loans is one of the ways that Satan says... Okay, this person is studying, they're going to be overcome the spirit of poverty. But if I can hook them up with a study loan, they're stuck in the situation of poverty for years and years to come. I've met people recently that are in their 40s and still paying off a loan that they made in their 20s for studying. So Satan is laughing all the way. You think that your studies is supposed to set you free. But it can't set you free because it's a spiritual thing. Amen. You have to find a way of saying, I'm going to study and trust God to study without debt. Young people, don't get hooked up in the spirit of death and spirit of poverty by thinking you're going to overcome it by your studies, but you've hooked up with that spirit beyond what you can control. Because now it says, it's not only money for your books and your Counting, but it's some of your accommodation and a car, and it offers all kinds of stuff extra that you don't need, so that you don't only owe your five or six thousand rand a year university fees, you're owing a hundred thousand rand a year because you've taken a whole lot of other stuff. You understand what I'm saying? He's trying to hook you and saying, I've got the people that are supposed to be influential, the people that are supposed to lead others to freedom. I've hooked them up. And I've got them down in a place of trouble. So if you have to study, and I'm not saying don't study. Please don't hear that. Trust God to be able to work while you study and pay your debt every month as you go along. That you never get hooked in it. Christians have learned to look at loans instead of at God. Maybe that had become an altar in our life. Maybe we offer on the altar of loans because instead of, God never says take a loan anywhere in the Bible. It only says trust God. But free credit has made it so easy for us to get hooked and we stay in, entrapped in that situation of debt for the rest of our lives. Traps that will get you under the Spirit of poverty, unlimited credit, no deposit, balloon payments. Okay, so that's all debt. Now let's talk about investments. What happens with investments? We've got some guys here that are clever, more clever than me with investments. But let's talk about it for a second. Bubbles happen in investments. Those who come from the 80s will remember the dot-com bubble. Everybody invested money into IT and the big bubble burst, and they lost all the money they invested. And some people went to loan money to invest because the whole future was computers, 
And some people come out very rich out of there, and others come out and they're stuck in the debt for the rest of their life. Then there's the property bubbles. Okay, that one caught me. Buy five or six houses because houses are growing at 20, 30, 40,000 rand a month. Suddenly they drop 50% in two months. 2007. Okay, then you're stuck in debt for years and years, and you can't come out because you believe the lie of a bubble. I know. Okay, property bubble, crypto bubble. Don't go loan money to invest in Bitcoin. I'm not saying don't invest. I'm just saying don't loan money to invest because it's going to bite you. Don't allow that place to come. Another trap, gambling. Okay? You start messing around with gambling... It is the same way as if you say to your wife, well, I'm just going to have one girlfriend and I'm only going to spend an hour a week with her. I'm not going to spend, you know, I'm going to manage it. I will smack you. (laughs) I think you'll do more than that, but okay. So people say, well, I'm just playing the lotto or I'm just spending a hundred rand a day or whatever. They want to manage. You can't manage the spirit. If you open the door, they come flooding in. The way I say it like this, if we have cockroaches, and I say, guys, it's okay to have cockroaches in that corner, but they're not allowed to come off the stage. But I don't mind how many is there. What's going to happen is the moment we switch the lights off? (laughs) Okay, next Sunday, you're going to come down and sit down? What's going to run up your leg? (laughs) You cannot make friends with a spirit and think it's going to stay in its corner. You have to deal with it. (laughs) You see, if you are under this curse of poverty, I want to read you a scripture that you're not going to like. Proverbs 26 and verse 2. An undeserved curse will be powerless to harm you. It may flutter over you like a bird, but it will find no place to land. If you're under the curse of poverty, you messed up somewhere. You or your ancestors or somebody opened the door. It's got quiet here. Because we don't want to accept responsibility. We want to blame it on situations and bubbles that burst and the banks and business. But we've got to say, somewhere this curse landed. Why did it have foothold? How do you fix that? You repent. You say, God, forgive me. Give me a fresh way. Because it will not land on me if I'm guiltless. In front, because of Christ, we are completely guiltless. But we give footholds to this thing to come in and start managing our life. And the more you are called to bring freedom to others, the more it comes after you. So we have to say, I'm going to be free so that my children will be free and my children's children will be free. And I can break this chain of poverty that has been in my family all my life. There is an assignment of Satan to keep us poor and to break every time that we take a step forward in the things of finances, saying, I'm going to put them back under the curse. And exactly the same with healing and exactly the same with sin. It comes in a little bit. You get used to it. Rhoda, I was so blessed by your... um, Sharing about the headaches. Jackie, sorry. (laughs) Uh, You're facing a small thing like a headache. But if you don't learn to fight that thing outside of medicines, it gives Satan the right to bring the next thing. 
gives him the right to say, okay, well, I've got that one ticked over. What is the next thing I'm going to take? So nobody goes from prosperity into big debt or trouble or destruction or bankruptcy. Starts by little decisions, little places. Okay, I can handle a clothing account. All right, I can handle a little personal loan. But we have to take a decision and say, I'm going to believe God to completely set me free. You know what? My suit has outgrown me. Okay? I don't know why it's growing. It's just the suit's growing bigger and bigger. But I will rather walk in a suit that doesn't fit me than go buy a suit on debt. I'd rather walk than be in a place where I'm behind in my car payments. If somebody wants to take your car, don't fight them. Because if you're fighting and you're making deals and you're making processes, you are still staying in that place. You cannot come free. I'd rather walk and be in the plan of God than ride and be in the spirit of debt. Spirit of poverty. I'm not saying I've got it all sorted out, but I'm saying that we have to get rid of these places. Do you know that your government doesn't want you to be free? Because a poor person is easy to control. A poor person is easy to guide where they must vote. A poor person is easy to be bought. So Government does not want you to be free because as long as you're not free, they can control you. So we have to change our mentality. Never trust God for the approval of a loan. <laughs> That's like me asking Mandy. Choose a girlfriend for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey? Is that going to work? Not going to happen. Okay. But we have no problem to ask God to please approve this loan. We have to say, God, whatever it takes, set me free. I've messed up. I'm guilty. I need God to bring me into another realm. And it's not going to happen by being friendly with it. It's by recognizing this is a spirit of poverty that's trying to get in. If you can manage your debts and you can keep it all up to date and you can do that, stay there, but have a plan to be free. In the Bible, there's the process of the year of Jubilee that set us free. Because even in the Old Testament, before Jesus... Because Jesus never wanted us to have debt that runs years and years and years and years. Even in the Old Testament, God said people must come free of debt. People must have a way of starting again. People must have a way of reorganizing. But all of the current laws and everything is designed to keep you in there as long as possible. You pay off the one card just before you pay it off. You buy another one on debt. Halfway through that, you buy another one. And the amount increases every time. Am I not right? So all Satan is designed is to get you in. What you need to do is even if you have to lower your standard of living, take some steps back and saying, I'm going to set myself free. How is my plan to set myself free? And the plan is not to get another loan. And the plan is not to combine all your loans. Can I say this? The plan is not to go under debt review. Why not under debt review? Debt review does two things. It will stop you from making more debt, which is a wonderful thing. But then it also extends the period of you being under control. So you have to say, okay, if I am under debt review, I'm going to pay more than what they ask. I'm going to pay extra. 
I'm going to trust God for 20 rand or 30 rand or 50 rand or 1,000 rand to pay extra so that I can break the stranglehold. Because when that stranglehold starts, it will give you no movement, no place to move. Place yourself under debt review. And saying, hey, I'm not going to make any more debt. Like an alcoholic goes and bans himself at certain places and says, I can't go in there because I go in there, I mess up. What does a gambler do? You can voluntarily place yourself under bans from the casinos because you know you mess up there. Now, why don't we do the same with debt? Give yourself a bad score and tell the people that you, they mustn't give you credit because if they give you credit, there's trouble. You get deeper and deeper into it. So number one, how do we break the spirit of poverty? We have to have a revelation of El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. When you have a revelation of who Jesus is, you can trust God to operate outside of loans. Number two, you have to understand the curse and understand the freedom that Jesus had. So you have to have a revelation, and I'm hoping that that's what can happen in church. In church, I'm not controlling your spending, I'm not controlling how you live, but I'm hoping that you can have a revelation that you don't always have to be in this place. If you can get that revelation then it happens here. Number two is repent. God, I made mistakes. God, I didn't do everything your way. God, I didn't believe that you can supply, so I made another plan. And you'll see in the Bible, whatever happens when they make other plans except God's plan, they get into desperate trouble. Saul lost his kingship because he went to battle before God released him to go into battle. So what does Christians do? They go into battle without the anointing and they get annihilated and they don't understand why. Saul lost his kingship. Has the church not lost its kingship over the realm of finances because it goes into places where it's not supposed to go? Have a revelation of who God is. Number two, repent. God, I messed up. I need your forgiveness. God, I need you to deal with this because I messed up. And my financial sin is more than what I can deal with. What is the difference between financial sin and other sin? There's no difference. It becomes too big for us to deal with it. It becomes in a place where we cannot anymore move forward. Now, the same God that can lift up and change somebody who has lived a life, let's stay with a sexual one, of sexual immorality, drinking and all of that kind of thing, and we believe God can set them free. Do you believe that God can set you free from financial sin and deal with the consequences of what you've done wrong. Okay? Jesus has paid for your mistakes. So repent. The cross has done it all. Your financial sins are paid for the same way your other sins are paid for. That's number three. Number four, you start honoring God with your finances. Ask God before you take any loan, God, does this have your blessing? I promise you for the church building, we were planning to take a loan. We had everything in place to take a loan. Instead of God saying no, he just stopped the ability for us to get a loan. Thank God he did that. Thank God he stopped it. Because he said, look at me, don't look at the bank. Who is your provider? Who is your provider, your bank manager or Jesus? I had to repent about I'm taking the church into a place of bondage. Well, Satan got all nervous 
when we started saying we're going to have our own premises. thought, okay, well, now if that's going to happen, how am I going to hold them captive still? If they've done so much while they don't own their own place, what are they going to do when they own their own building? Yesterday, the word came in the prayer meeting that not only are we going to change buildings, we are going to change lives, and there's many new ones going to come in because God is busy in the process. So Satan is nervous about what's going to happen through frontline. And your pastor nearly led you into trouble. Thank God for God just stopping us. So we have to honor God with every financial decision. Before you apply for a car, before you... We get so desperate that we take out debt without asking God. And then we thank God for providing in debt. Hey, my home loan was approved. Praise God. It's more than what I should have qualified for. Praise God. Every time the bank turns your application down, jump up for joy. Because God protected you. Faith says God will supply. Fear says take the loan. Can I repeat that? Faith says God will supply. Fear says you must make a plan. What does Philippians 4 verse 19 says? And my God shall supply all of you my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Does that need include the offerings that you must make to debt? (laughs) Now it's so quiet in here. Our needs are food and cover over our head, clothes, that kind of thing. That is a need. But we make debt and then we say, God, you must come and pray, deal with that. Yes, we can ask God to come and deal with our sin, but understand that it's, it's in the process of not supplying your needs. It's in the process of dealing with your sin. There's a different process there. You've got to understand that you cannot just ask God to deal with your sin if you haven't repented yet. Okay, I've made more debt. God, come deal with it. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to make more debt. God, come deal with it. And we become arrogant And we make deals that we want God to sort out. God will supply all of your needs. What did God say? Look at the birds of the air. They don't plant. They don't sow. They don't work. But they are sorted every single day because I'm caring for them. And if you look at the birds, they wear better clothes than any of us could ever do. Okay? Who's a birder here who likes looking at birds and just seeing the brilliant colors that God dresses them in? It is trying to show us that he can provide outside of our dealings and making stuff happen. We have to come to a place where we depend on him and not on anything else. Your Woolworths account or your Edgar's account, any of those, they just set up for one thing, to get you into trouble. Maybe there's some people here that can manage this, but I believe that God wants to set us all free from this thing. So God is in the business of changing lives. God is in the business of setting us free. God is in the business of moving us from a place of trouble into a place of blessing. Is that true? Do we understand that God can deal with us? Because some of us now feel not good enough after today's preach, hey? I felt a bit condemned when I got here in the sermon prep. I felt, oh, God, I'm, I'm, ish. this is not so lacquer. But then God showed me this verse early this morning. 1 Samuel 22 and verse 2. David's mighty men, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented, other words, that's offended. That's the other word there. Now, there's a lot of sermons currently going out about offense. 
and there's sermons about debt and there's distress. That's not where we should be as Christians. Do you agree with me? But all of these people gathered around David and they became David's mighty men. And there's books written about David's mighty men, about what they all did. We'll go look at it just now. So there's a transformation that can happen from somebody that's in trouble, that's got no hope, that's fully bent under the spirit of poverty. And a transformation can happen to somebody that's fully under the blessing. And that's the transformation that I pray will come out of today. Look at 2 Samuel 23. These are the names of David's mighty men. You read it there, okay? Uh, the first one was, okay, was called uh, Joseph Bashes, a Takamonite. Okay, forgive me for the pronunciation. It was chief of the three. And he raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. One man went out against 800 men. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Abanite, as one of the three mighty warriors. He was with David when they taunted the Philistines and gathered at Pastamon for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. So what we can say that there was this lentil field and he stuck in the middle of it and said, Satan, no more are you just going to take what belongs to me. No more are you going to take charge of what Jesus has paid for for me. That's the modern translation of that. He parked himself down. He said, no more am I going to make plans and things to work around what God's got. I'm going to pursue just what Jesus has. So these men that were in debt, that were of bad repute, that were offended, they all got together and they transformed into mighty men. Why? Because they got together and God started at work. And that is the work that I want to see God do in Frontline City Church. That is the work that I say in the kingdom of God, anybody can come in. Doesn't matter how poor you are. Doesn't matter how little you earn. Doesn't matter how much debt you have while we're talking about finances. Because the God of change is the one that is calling us and saying, come in here, I want to change you. I want to change your situation. I want to set you free from this place of not being able to operate fully because the world has sucked you into their system. The world has opened the door and you took the bait. Okay? So I want to have the worship team up, please. And I want you to just, where you're sitting, bow your head for a minute and think about your financial situation. What do you need to do? Are you free of finances? Obviously, there's some people here that are free in the financial realm. Are you under a curse? Let's just remind ourselves what was the signs of a curse. Nothing is ever enough. Everything is a battle. Stress. No progress. Facing the same challenges again and again. You always say, next month we'll be fine. Next week I'm going to be okay. The next deal is going to come in, then I'll be fine. You're defenseless because things just come against you that you can't handle. Car accidents, sickness, whatever keeps on putting you back. Nothing works like you plan on. You are supernaturally empowered to fail. If that's where you are, it's not a shame because Jesus has taken all of our shame. If that is where you are, then the only thing you have to do is you have to decide that you're not staying there. You need a revelation. And that's the next question I'm asking. Do you believe and do you have a revelation that Christ can shift you into another realm? Do you have a revelation that Jesus paid for your financial sins? Or the financial sins of your parents that started you out on the back foot? 
the responsibility of parents is to say, I'm giving my kids a chance to start on the front foot. Doesn't mean you have to give them a whole lot of stuff, but you've got to give them the tools to start on a positive note. So we've recognized that Christ is the King. We have realized that we've messed up. Now, all we need to do is to say, spirit of poverty, you cannot stay here rent-free anymore. So if you want to take those three steps, because those are the three steps that you can do in church, the rest you have to do at home with your husband or your wife or somebody with you and saying, okay, I'm here. How do I get there? What needs to happen? Miracles need to happen. Discipline needs to happen. But that you do at home. But if you're saying here this morning, I want to be free from the spirit of poverty and I realize that I'm guilty, then I'd like you to come to the altar and as a sign to God that's saying, I want to be free. I want to be free. Is there anybody that wants to be free in this realm? Come up now. I'm the first one that's saying, I want to be free of this thing. Give me a mask. Okay, I'll pray for you guys in a second. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ushers, help me that there's one row at a time with an usher behind them. If you are not in the front row, just stand a bit. I'll take one row at a time and pray for you. But understand that the prayer here isn't the thing that makes the difference. It is the decision to do it God's way. This is an altar of repentance. It is not a place where we just come and say, God, intervene. It is a place where we're coming and say, God, we are going to do the right thing. The intervention will come out of it. But we start in the place of saying, God, I'm believing you for freedom. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Please raise your hands up, those in the front row. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We together declare that spirit of poverty, you have no right in our lives. Jesus paid for us. We repent of mistakes made in the financial realm. And we believe, God, that today is our day of change. Father, we bring to you all of our mistakes. We bring to you all of our loans, all of our credit agreements, all of the debts we have. And we say, God, make a way with it. Father, deal with it in Jesus' name. Spirit of poverty, I say to you now that these people have all repented and they have all brought Jesus into it. You have no more right here. You have no right here. And I declare freedom in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Now to walk in your freedom is going to take a walk with Jesus where you daily ask him to touch your finances. You daily ask him, how do you deal with it? Every time you get money in, you ask God how to deal with that money you get in. And you allow to take back the responsibility of your finances. Father, I speak a blessing for supernatural income and supernatural debt cancellation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, can the next row come up for me? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Okay, let's keep the social distancing as much as we can. It's okay. You guys heard what I prayed for the others. This is your moment. This is the moment that's going to change the whole direction of your life and your children's lives. Because God says... I'm setting you free today. 
Lord God, we repent of our financial sin. We repent of looking at anybody else but you. Father God, we choose to move from the curse to the blessing. We choose to move from the devil's way to your way. Lord God, I pray for everybody here that as they repent and as they decide to do things your way, that there will be a supernatural blessing, supernatural cancellation of debt, supernatural financial opportunities open up. Father God, I pray for discipline in dealing with finances and obedience in being able to hear what you say, how we deal with finances. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Spirit of poverty. You've heard these people repent. You have heard them come up and declare they want God's way. I say you have no more power in their life. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to pray for the online people as well and those who are going to watch this later and everybody else that wanted to be included. If you take a choice of repentance and you take a choice to say, God, guide me in my finances, and you daily declare to the spirit of poverty, you have no right in my life, you will break the power. You will break the power. Why? Because Jesus paid for your blessing. Jesus paid for your blessing. So it's a constant repentance and constant revelation of the blessing. Doesn't matter when you watch this program, make it yours in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.